0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Thanks. I'm just going to do the Bible readings before Phil comes up um, with the message for today. So we're starting in Isaiah chapter 12. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, we have um, page 1078 if you'd like to read along. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things, let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy people of Zion for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. And our New Testament reading is from 2 Corinthians 5. page 1798. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Although this is from God, so all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of rec- reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation,
1: I'm going to steal this, and I'll put it back afterwards, I promise. Hi, everyone. I'm Phil, Phil Brown. Um, I'm one of the elders uh, here. It's great to be back. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Phil. <laughs> it's been... I um, think I've got this around the wrong way. It's been three weeks, I reckon. Into the, no, it's still the wrong way. Are these things meant to be on this side? No? It's weird. I'm not a muser, obviously. Anyway, it's great. To, it's great to be here. Oh, We've really missed um, being part of the fellowship here, and um, been watching the, the messages online and the worship online. It's just been fantastic. Being kind of feeling like you're a little bit part of it. Um, I have to confess, though, kind of watched it a little bit later than 10 o'clock. Um, sitting under a gazebo in Victor Harbor, you don't get out of bed too early. You know, it's good to be here. Um, So for the last three weeks, uh, we've been looking at the idea of a seeking God, yeah? Um, It's not so much us seeking God, it's been more about God being the one doing the seeking. I hope that's come through fairly clearly in the messages that have been proclaimed. So we've been looking at um, what does God seek? What are his resolutions? What are his New Year's resolutions? What are... He doesn't have New Year's resolutions, but what are his resolutions? What's he seeking? What's he looking for? So, like I said, I've listened to the last three messages, and I've got to say, they really did my soul a lot of good. Um, I, hear, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I listen to a lot of messages, but when you hear it coming from your fellowship, the people that know you and love you, it's a different thing. Um, so, if you, if you ever miss a message, if you're away get hold of the message and it'll honestly it'll do your soul a lot of good so uh, thanks Jacko and Tran for sharing so the first message was God is seeking our hearts that's a good way to start January 1st God was seeking our hearts Um, and Jacko talked about that God doesn't just want us for what we can do for him he wants us he wants us. He wants all of us, everything about us. He wants wholehearted Christians. Our whole hearts turn to Him. Um, and Jacko, you did that great, I thought. And then Tran came along and he, he said it was God seeking the lost. Um, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And He wants the hearts of the saved, and He wants the, the hearts of those who are still lost. He's looking for them, seeking them out, calling them, drawing them to himself. And last week, Jacko took us through, God is seeking worshippers. Um, and he, he made a comment, I'm not quoting him, I didn't write it down, but he something like, all people everywhere worship something. If we don't worship God, we still worship. We worship work or sports or sex or stuff. Um, we give ourselves to something. Either God or something else. Sometimes it's anything else but God. And that God wants to expose those things in our lives and help us to recognise them and then replace them with him. So that's been great. He does that because he knows that the only thing that will truly satisfy us is him. So we can go seeking life everywhere else, but we have to come back to God if we really want to have, have true life. Today we 're looking at god seeking ambassadors. Um, we heard Ellen read uh, god 's word in 2 Corinthians chapter five. In verse 20, our Lord says to us, "We are ambassadors for christ don 't say we will be or we might be. We are ambassadors for Christ." He says that we are ambassadors. So what are we what 's an ambassador? Well, has a couple of meanings. It can be someone who represents a cause or an organisation. You know, the public face of an organisation. Can we get the first slider? Can anyone tell me who that is? Feel free to yell it out loud. Sam Kerr. Where's Lizzie, my daughter? She's a big fan. Um, Probably Australia's number one female soccer player. Um, She plays for the Matildas, that's the Australian team, and for Chelsea, and she is amazing to watch. If you get a chance to watch her... Go and watch her. Australian Women's World Cup in Australia this year. She'll be playing. Get along and watch her. She's just incredible. What she can do with that ball is amazing. She's Nike's football ambassador. So the little tick on her shoulder, whichever way it goes. Um, Her job, she's paid by Nike. Her job is to represent, be the face, the public face of Nike for all those people that are interested in women's soccer. So she's the face for Nike. So she's an ambassador. She's also an ambassador for an organisation called the Federation Internationale de Football. Can anyone tell me a shortened version of that? FIFA. So she's also the ambassador for FIFA. Um, so like I said, my Lizzie's a big fan. You might notice if you see her, she's wearing, she's wearing that T-shirt, that Guernsey. Um, she loves her. The biblical use of the word ambassador is more like the idea of someone representing their country to another country. So they generally go from their country to the other country, but they represent the country they came from. First, uh, next photo. Can anyone tell me who that guy is? Quick. Oh, you got it. It's supposed to say Colonel Sanders. <laughs> there he is. You remember, remember him like that. Can we go back to the other one? You wouldn't think it's the same bloke. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Nice. I showed that to uh, my 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 nine-year-old son this morning without the little uh, KFC logo, and he said, oh, definitely Colonel Sanders. Definitely Colonel Sanders. Anyway, he has... uh, So, Kevin Rudd, he used to be our Prime Minister, 2007, 2010, then again for a little bit in 2013 when they kicked Julia Gillard out. He was our Prime Minister. Um, He's just been appointed as the Australian ambassador for the United States. Um, I think he starts in March, I think that's, that's his gig. Um, and he's been given that role. Um, as far as prime ministers go, eh, um, he is very good at understanding Australian and United States relations and relationships between Australia and China and US and China, probably a perfect guy for the job. So we should be praying for guys like that. Um, every time you get your KFC, Think of Kevin and pray for him. (laughs) So his job in a few weeks is to represent us to the United States. He's our ambassador to the States. His job isn't to make any rules or any laws or any decisions. His job's not to commit Australia to any wars or anything like that. His job is simply to represent the Australian people, our interests in the United States. That's his job. He doesn't get to do anything other than what he's told to do by the Australian people through the Australian government. Does that make sense? That's what an ambassador's job is. Whatever the message is that the Australian people have got, he presents that to them. And hopefully, he'll be able to learn the language. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we spent a few weeks there, and it's, some parts was a little bit tricky. Um, He's also got the job of personally passing on any messages from Australia. So there might be some concerns or some issues that we want to raise. His job is to personally present that to the Americans. Um, He doesn't speak on his own behalf. He speaks on the behalf of us. He's an ambassador for Australia. So with that in mind, that's kind of the biblical model. When we're talking about ambassadors, that's kind of what it's about. God calls us ambassadors for Christ. You may not feel like you're any great ambassador, um, but if you're a believer in Jesus and you've been saved by Him, you are an ambassador. As a Christian, your primary citizenship, your primary allegiance, our primary allegiance, is to the King of the universe. We're citizens of Australia, but primarily we're citizens of heaven, temporarily on this earth. And while we're here, we're his representatives, his ambassadors. In in biblical times, and and today in some countries, an ambassador would be called to speak the words of the king. Now we don't have a, actually we do have a king, Um, King Charles is our king. Um, we have a... I won't go into our political system. <laughs> I can not actually lie. Um, but in the, in the old days and in some countries where the king is the supreme monarch and basically does actually control stuff, unlike Charles, um, an ambassador would be called to speak the king's words. Not his own words, but those of the king. He might need to learn the language... Of the country he's placed in he might need to learn the customs and the rules of that country but even though he might need to use different words to express the kid the king's message it was the king's message it wasn't his message the ambassador would have to present that message faithfully different context different different um, cultures different languages but it still had to be faithful so I want to have a look at a few things in 2 Corinthians that Ellen read through and see what it means for us to be ambassadors. So we've got the general idea of what an ambassador is, well, what does that actually mean? So we're going to see four things, talk about four things. We're going to see that while we're living here on earth, in these bodies, that this isn't actually our true home. I've already said that, but I want to show you from the scriptures that that's true. This isn't actually our true home. We're actually... Truly, citizens of heaven. It's amazing. We're going to see what qualifies us to be ambassadors. Because like me, I'm guessing none of you have studied a course in being an ambassador, I don't think. We're going to see what's, what we're supposed to do as these ambassadors. And we're going to look at why we're probably not really very good at it. I'm hoping Kevin is going to be a good ambassador. I'm not sure that I'm so great an ambassador for our king. I'm wondering whether you feel that you're the best ambassador that you could be either. I suspect that you might have some doubts about your own abilities as ambassadors, yeah? It's a good day to be honest about this stuff, I think. Um, I'm going to lay it all out there, so if you want to join me, that's, that's great. We're going to look at why we're probably not great ambassadors, but see how that could change. I think it can. So let me set the scene. Throw us back to Corinth. A couple of thousand years. Christians all over the world were being persecuted. All over the world that had reached the gospel. Some were being beaten, some were being killed for Jesus. It wasn't easy being a Christian at the time when 2 Corinthians was written. God writes, through Paul, some words of encouragement. So the first... So if you've got 2 Corinthians open, chapter 5, and this is from the ESV version. So the first verse says, so imagine you're, you're, in, you're in Corinth, you're a Christian, and you're seeing people being persecuted, you're seeing people being killed for their faith in Jesus, and you're worried. What happens? What happens if, if, I'm persecuted? What happens if I die? What happens? Paul writes this, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, he's talking about his body, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. So Paul understood the suffering that people were going through. And he realised you're in this suffering... Not a whole lot you can do to get out of the suffering without denying Jesus. And you don't want to do that. So maybe you're just going to suffer. But that's not all there's going to be. It's a temporary thing. It's horrible, it's hurtful, it's dreadful, it's awful. But it's not all there is. This is temporary. Whatever happens to you, it's temporary. At the end of the day, we have a heavenly dwelling, guaranteed in the heavens fantastic in Philippians Paul wrote our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a saviour the Lord Jesus Christ now there's more in in 2nd Corinthians 5 that talks about that but that's probably enough at the end of the day we're here temporarily this isn't our permanent home that new place you bought fantastic you go for a brother not there forever It's not our permanent home. If we're persecuted now, there's something better, something amazing awaiting us in our true home. If we die, the worst thing that can happen to us is we just go to our true home with him in heaven. So no matter what happens to us here on earth, no matter what happens to our physical bodies, that's not all there is. We have something so much more amazing awaiting us, our true home in heaven with our Lord. So right now, While We we are in these mortal bodies and as you get older, you realise how mortal you are and as you have parents that are really, really old, you realise how mortal they are and you can start to see life being shorter for them. Um, You realise that's not all there is. There is more. Um, But while we're here in these mortal bodies, we're actually citizens of heaven, living in a foreign land. We're in Australia, we're in Adelaide, absolutely. But actually, if you are able to rip the curtain open and see the reality of our world, we're actually citizens of heaven. We're actually already there in our permanent home. Ambassador Rudd has been given a role to play, a job to do in a foreign country, but it's only a temporary job. Our King has placed us here to be his ambassadors. But one day, he'll call us home. One day, he'll come back and transform this home. It's kind of interesting. All the, the other items, things that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, those things are permanent. Us being ambassadors, this is the only temporary thing we're ever going to get to do. When we're in heaven, when it's all over, we're not going to be ambassadors anymore. We won't need to be because we're all in the same country. There'll be no need for ambassadors. But until that day, that's what we are. We're ambassadors. So it's interesting. It doesn't say that he is seeking ambassadors. He says that we are ambassadors. So what he's seeking is for us to fulfill that role and fulfill it well, to represent him well, to do the job that he's called us to do well. But not so much seeking ambassadors. You are ambassadors if you're a believer. He's seeking us to do it well, and represent him well, and to be to be proud and to be pleased with the way we represent him in this world. Let's go a bit further into the chapter. Chapter, wait, end to verse seventeen. Nah. Keep going. Yeah, I don't know. Completely lost. Blank that out. I'll just read it. So verse 17. You got it in front of you anyway. You don't need it up there. Verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, oh, there it is. The new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Thanks for finding that one. So where's this all come from? All this is from God. So, are you qualified to be an ambassador? Well, apparently. Because all this is from God. He qualifies us. It's all of him. He reconciles us to himself. Have you ever been in a situation where there was a relationship breakdown? Don't show hands. Just nod or quietly kind of blink or something. I think we've all been in relationship breakdowns at different times. Um, it might be husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, parent and child, maybe just a couple of friends. Um, when when relationships, relationships break down, it's dreadful, yeah? No one likes a relationship breakdown. But sometimes, sometimes, even in horrible, horrible breakups, there's reconciliation. Has anyone experienced that part of it? Yeah. Usually what happens is someone, generally not both at the same time, but someone will take the first step to bring reconciliation. Maybe they'll apologise. Maybe they'll admit they're an idiot. Um, Maybe they'll admit they're wrong. Maybe they'll extend forgiveness to the other person. One person will generally take the first step In any relationship breakdown and if there's a positive response from the other person it may lead to reconciliation and that's wonderful when it happens so in those times people can be reconciled back together but sometimes it can still take a long time to mend those relationships even though you're back together and you're not hating each other it can still take a while to rebuild the bridges that were broken through the breakdown but they're no longer enemies they've been reconciled Well. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. The first 20 years of my life, I had a very bad relationship with God. In fact, the relationship I had with him was he was my enemy. Hated him. Not interested. Completely, completely ignored him. I was hostile to him. I was not at all interested in him or anything he had to say. I was breaking his laws. I was living in his world. But living as if it was my world. I was living the way I thought best for me. I was taking his stuff, and I was living as though it was my stuff. I was living in his world, but rejecting him as my king. And that is really the story of everybody until they come to know the Savior. But, terrible relationship. Hating him, back to him, not interested, get out of my life. But even while I was still an enemy, he took the initiative. I wasn't looking for reconciliation. I didn't care at all about God. But he took a step forward towards me and he showed me my sin and he showed me my rebellion and he broke through the hostility that I had and he overwhelmed me with his grace and his mercy And he took out my cold heart of stone and replaced it with a new heart and I'm a new creature and I've been reconciled to him. Not because of anything that I did. He took a running run at me and rescued me and brought me into his family, which is just amazing. So he took this initiative. It's all of him. He took this initiative to reconcile me to himself. I wasn't looking for it. He came and took me. I'm no longer an enemy, but a son. And I'm a much-loved, it's hard to believe looking at me, and you talk to my kids, it's hard to love this guy, but I am actually a much-loved, much-loved son of my father. And I'm now a citizen of heaven. My passport still says Australian citizen, but he's placed his spirit in me, and my new passport is citizen of heaven. So I'm qualified, not because of anything in me, but he's qualified me. I didn't have to go to uni to study it, he did it for me. Amazing. He's called me to be his and he's made me an ambassador. So if you are a believer, you are automatically made an ambassador. But what does that mean? (laughs) I'm an ambassador. So what's supposed to happen now? Well... Can we get the next one up? Verse 18. Yes, that's the one. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Ain't that a great message? The answer to that is, yes, Phil, that's a great message. Your message as an ambassador is to bring the message of reconciliation. That's the message. That's what we got. He's entrusted with us the task, the awesome responsibility, and the wonderful privilege of bringing the message of reconciliation to to the world. So what's this message? What's the actual message? What is it? What's the message that we, we talk? Verse 20. In Christ, and I go back. I made a real mess of these. Next one. Switch that off. Go again. <laughs> Sorry, three weeks of sitting in a deck chair under a gazebo in Victor Harbour does that to your brain. In Christ. Here's the message. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. All of those broken relationships, all of the Phil Browns that had their back turned to him, all of you guys, before you came to Jesus, he was trying to reconcile you, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not not counting their sins against them. And how did he do that? For our sake, for me... He made him, that's Jesus, he made Jesus to be sin. He didn't know any sin himself. God made him to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The message is, and this is what we get to tell people, is that God has seen our sin and our rebellion and our rejection of him and in his grace. Chose to take the initiative and reconcile us to himself. He saw what was keeping us away from him, what was keeping us in blindness and darkness, keeping us as enemies and on our way to destruction. He saw what it was, our sin, and he dealt with it. Our sin was the barrier between us and God. And I didn't even know. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even care. But there was this barrier between me and God. He knew what it was. It was my sin. He knew what it was, and he decided to attack it. So in Christ, in Jesus, God found a way to break down that barrier and wipe out that sin that stood between us and our God. If there's a barrier between you and somebody, there's no way you're going to be able to communicate with them, no way you're going to be able to have a fellowship with them, no way you're going to be able to talk to them unless the barrier is taken out of the way. That's what God did in Jesus. He found this way to get rid of that barrier. The way he did it was he took his own dear son, the Messiah, and he made him the object of his wrath. He made him, who knew no sin, to be the offering for sin. The full and final offering for sin. Our Saviour Jesus took the full penalty, the full weight of every sin, of every single person that would ever place their faith in the the Saviour. And he bore the penalty for our sin completely. In his body, on the cross. Dying a horrible death under the fierce wrath of God against sin. Our sin was transferred to him. Made us clean. And he gave us his righteousness. He took our place before the Father, suffering the penalty for our sin. And he gave us his place before the Father, fully righteous before him. So he took our place on the cross and he gave us his place Before the Father, wonderful stuff. So we can now stand before the Father as if we were Jesus. How great is that? We're not, by the way, we're not Jesus. Just, but the Father can look at us in the same way that He can look at His own dear Son, the Lord Jesus, full of love, full of grace, full of compassion, full of mercy, full of love completely clean and righteous in his eyes, reconciled to our Father. That's the message that we've got. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. For our sin he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's happened to us. So if you're sitting here this morning and you believe in the Saviour, and that you've entrusted yourself into his care and you've turned from your sin and you're trusting in his salvation, that's what's happened to you. You're standing completely clean and pure and beloved in the sight of the Father. For my sake, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for me. My sin, everything that kept me from God, taken away away by him on the cross. So if you've recognised you're a sinner and if you've turned from your sin and turned to him and if you've cried out to him to save you you don't have to know too much about it you just have to know that much if you've done that if you've cried out to him can I just ask you for a moment just for a moment um, just close your eyes I'm not going to do anything weird I'm just going to stay here close your eyes and just hear these words Brothers and sisters, for your sake, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for you. Your sin, everything that kept you from God, has been taken away by him on the cross so that you could become righteous before him there is therefore now no condemnation for you you have been born again you have been made into a new creation you are a dearly dearly loved child of your father the king Open your eyes if you like. Isn't that great? So soak that in. Revel in that. Think about that and dwell in that. And let it take hold of who you think you are and transform you into who you actually really are. A dearly loved child of God. Then, as an ambassador... Go tell someone. Go tell everyone that Christ has come to reconcile them back to God. And some will hear, and the great some will hear the great news of what Jesus has done, and it'll break into their lives. It broke into my life, and they'll be saved, just like you've been saved. But some will hear the words, but only hear the words, and there'll be no response, or they'll be hardened to the message. And they'll be left in their sin. But at the end of the day, there's a message to be proclaimed. God has given given us the message. Some will hear and be saved, and many will not. Mark, some are going to hear, some aren't. Some of your neighbours are going to hear and be saved, some of them aren't. Some of your workmates are going to hear, some of them aren't. Some of your parents are going to hear, some of them aren't. Some of your children are going to hear. Some of them aren't. Some of of your spouses are going to hear. Some of them aren't. But our job, as ambassadors, is to be faithful to the message. To tell it from the heart. To tell it truthfully. To tell it faithfully. Not bend it or twist it or water it down. But to tell it with grace and love and compassion and mercy. Use all God has gifted you with to share the message. Everything you have at your disposal... Throw into the task of telling them. Everything God's given you, all the gifts that he's given you, use them to tell people about the message. Some will hear, some won't. Can't do anything about that. It's not your job anyway. Kevin Rudd, when he goes over to America, he'll have hopefully some things to say about things that we don't like America doing. Sometimes they'll listen, sometimes they won't. His job though is to tell them. Our job is to tell them. So he's chosen to give this message to us to tell. I don't, and I've got no idea why he would use me. I don't know why he doesn't just raise up another Paul the Apostle, or another uh, Peter, or another Spurgeon, or another um, Whitfield, or a Wesley. Um, I don't know why he doesn't just do that. Surely a small handful of really gung-ho believers with, a, with good personalities and all that stuff getting out there preaching, is going to be a heck of a lot better than, sorry, us. But here we are. And you know what? He may use you to bring salvation to whole nations, to whole cities, to whole families, or to just a handful, or even just one individual. Or you may see no one come to Christ. doesn't matter, because we don't control the outcome anyway. He's made us ambassadors. He's given us an amazing message of reconciliation and salvation. We know we've been called to spread the great news. We know that, don't we? I'm not really telling anyone anything new here, am I? We've been called. We know that. So why don't we do it? You've got. You already got reasons in your head why you don't. Yeah. There are plenty of reasons. And I started listing them as I was preparing this and I thought, actually, you know what? I don't need to do that. You already know why you don't preach the gospel. You already know. You've already got all the reasons. We're embarrassed. We're afraid. We don't want to lose friends. What if they reject us? What if they don't listen? All of those things. You can list up the things yourself. But I think if there's a key to the solution to all of this, There's a little phrase in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians, which I think is the solution. Paul said, the love of Christ controls us. It's in the middle of this whole section about being ambassadors, being reconciled to God, and spreading the message of reconciliation. In the middle of it, he puts this little phrase, the love of Christ controls us. I looked up the phrase in a number of translations. So the next one, thanks one. So these are different, different translations of that same Greek word. The, the problem with English is sometimes you need you know 15 words to say what the Greek says in one word. Um, and this is, this is kind of half the, the different ones. I've, these are kind of the ones that made, made most sense to me. The love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us, the love of Christ constrains us, the love of Christ presses us, the love of Christ urges us forward, the love of Christ drives us to be ambassadors and to spread the message of reconciliation. The idea behind the Greek word, it's like there's an external force, an external influence moving us forward. That's kind of the idea of that that word, compel, control, constrain, urges, presses. Imagine, keep your eyes open for this one, but imagine sitting in a canoe, or a boat of some sort. Um, a bit hard at the moment because the Murray is so flooded, but imagine it's not flooded. Um, you're in a canoe, gently paddling. There's not much water movement. There's a bit of movement going, going downstream. You can, you can paddle against the tide, against the current, we can go with the current. You can go across, back and forth. You know, it's all nice and easy. You're in the canoe, having a lovely time. But you're moving slowly down downstream, and you see up ahead a spot where the river starts to narrow, and you've cliffs on either side. You probably, if you've been down the Murray, you can imagine imagine that kind of thing. As as you get to a spot where the river narrows, what happens? The water gets faster and faster and faster and faster. faster and if the gap that the water has to go through is so narrow you'll just get shot through can you imagine can you imagine yourself in that nice and easy then all of a sudden water's getting faster and faster and faster and you're just through the gap that's kind of the idea of that word compelled constrained kind of pressed in through the gap you're still there in the canoe your part in the whole event is just to stay in the canoe. That's, that's our job, stay in the canoe. But the power that drives you isn't your paddling, isn't even the direction that you're going. It's the water surging you through, the river surging you through. As long as you stay in the canoe, you're driven by the water. That's kind of the idea of this. So it's the love of our Saviour that drives us. So we're in the canoe... And it's the love of Jesus surging us through. It compels us, it constrains us, it urges, it presses us, it presses us forward in his will. It's not our love for Christ that drives us. I think we kind of get that mixed up a little bit, do you reckon? I think if only I had more love for Jesus, I'd actually do some more stuff. But that's not what it says. This says it's his love for us that drives us forward. I'm not sure if I've shared this before. I can't remember um, whether I have or not. But bear with me as I share it again. When I was first saved, back when I was 20, so that was a couple of years ago, um, I came back from Sijuna, where I'd been working and where I'd been saved. And I was working in a bank in Grenfell Street in the city. Um, I'd been a Christian for just a few weeks. Man, I was so excited to be saved. This was all just such an amazing experience. Taken out of darkness into light. Everything was amazing. Never, hadn't grown up with the message, didn't know the message. But when I heard it, wow, did it grip me. I was so excited um, to be a Christian. The message of the cross had grabbed me and gripped me and it was the most amazing, amazing thing ever. The creator of the universe had swooped down and rescued me. And he loved me, me, and he died in my place, and he threw himself onto a grenade for me. And I said to tell everybody. Because that's what you do when things excite you, yeah? Um, Jess, when you got engaged, did you hide it or did you tell everybody? You told everybody, of course you did. When you have a, a baby, you tell everybody. It's all The first thing on Facebook and Instagram, it's all over the place. You can't help yourself because you're so excited about these amazing things that happen in our lives, yeah? Absolutely. We tell people because we're excited about things that grip us. We tell everybody. So I just had to tell everybody. The people that I was working for didn't know. How could you possibly not know? Well, I, I didn't know a few weeks earlier either. Um, they didn't know, so I had to tell them. And I think it was the first week that I was there, um, I invited everyone I worked with to come to dinner and then go to church. Um, there were 21 people that I worked with. 20 of them came. Um, I was so gripped by the love of Christ that I was driven. And it obviously had been seen by the people because they, they wanted to be a part of it. They, really, they wanted to come. We went and got some food and then we all sat in church and I reckon we filled up two or three rows. It was fantastic. I was so gripped by the love of Christ. I didn't question anything. I didn't have any doubts about it. I was saved. These people are going to get saved because it's such a great message. How could they not be saved by this fantastic thing that God has done? I was so swept up in the love of Jesus. I just wanted everyone else to know. But sadly, it wasn't too long after that that I got swept up in the apathy and discouragement from other Christians who weren't quite as driven as I was at the time and I guess the evil one was pretty keen to shut it down. I'm thinking he probably didn't like me very much at all at that point and he fed into my doubts and my insecurities and I started having all those thoughts that we all have all the time, what if? What if they reject me? What if they don't listen? What if they don't come? What if they hate me? What if they won't listen to me? What if they think I'm an idiot? What if I lose my job? What if I get persecuted? What if I get killed? My enthusiasm cooled, But it's not always cool. Like right now, I'm feeling actually pretty hyped. Sometimes I'm really enthusiastic. Sometimes I share the gospel freely. And I'm really driven to tell others about Jesus. Do we have those experiences? Well, sometimes... You actually are really excited to tell people, and it just comes out. Those times are when I've been gripped by the gospel myself. When I look back at all of those times when I've been excited to tell people about Jesus, it's because something's happened, and I've been gripped again by the gospel. I've been gripped again by the love of Jesus and what he's done for me. When I've been thinking about my Saviour, when I've been reminded of his great love and what he's done for me, when I've been spending time with other believers, hearing God's love for them, it rubs off on me. Hearing others share the gospel, it gets inside me. And i remember what he's done for me and I'll get caught up wanting to tell others about it again. So if there's a practical thing to come out of this message, I think it's this. Get caught up in the love of Jesus and you will be a great ambassador because you're speaking from something that's happened to you and you're gripped and you want to go and tell people. And that verse that Paul Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ compels us, becomes true. Does that make any sense? Hopefully. Get caught up in the love of Christ for you. Don't panic about your love for Jesus. Don't panic about how much you love God. I don't think that's the issue. I think the thing is, get caught up in how much he loves you. So tell each other how much Jesus loves them. Remind them. Do anything you can to remind each other. Do anything you can to remind yourself. Read the scriptures over and over. Dwell in them. Listen to them. Hear his great love for you told to you over over and over again. Tom, thank you so much for that song um, about prayer. Oh, what? How much stuff do we forfeit because we don't go to Him in prayer? How much of God's life do we forfeit because we don't spend time hearing Him and listening to Him? That was a great choice of of songs. I don't think you had any idea what I was going to say. So I really appreciated that. Oh, what trials we go through. Oh, what how much stuff we forfeit because we don't go to him and spend time with him. So talk to him. Plead with him to renew you again in his love. Plead with him to fill you with his spirit afresh and restore the joy of your salvation. King David, thanks, next slide. King David wrote this, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. So King David got it. He knew that if God would restore to him his love, restore to him the joy of his salvation, he would then tell sinners. He would tell other people. He would be constrained. He would be compelled to tell others. King David got it. And he was just a shepherd boy. He got it. We can get it too. But we've got to know our own salvation and rejoice in what he's done for us. And if we're not saved, be saved. If you don't know Jesus, get to know Jesus. I implore you on behalf of Jesus, be reconciled to God. If you're not a believer, you need to be a believer. The future's terrible. The long-term future for you is shocking without God. Be reconciled to God. He stands there pleading with you, imploring you, be reconciled to him. And he's done everything he can. He's done everything he needs to do to draw you to himself and bring you his salvation. So I implore you, turn from whatever it is that keeps you from God, turn to him because he's done everything to call you back to himself. So we're not just ambassadors, but we dearly love children who have the unbelievable privilege of bringing other lost souls into this wonderful new creation that we have. We have an amazing message from our King, a message that can save and does save. And we have a message that can also renew our own hearts and fill us with joy and drive us to want to please Him and share Him with those around us. And I think maybe this morning, God's taking us back to that message on January 1st. God is seeking our hearts again and wanting us to know the joy of our own salvation. He wants us to know His great love for us and grip us with a message that will drive us forward to love and serve Him. So He's not seeking ambassadors, He's seeking us. And he wants us to be great ambassadors because we've been gripped by him. So let's pray together. And maybe just at the end, before the band comes up and starts singing the next song or whatever it is that we're going to do next, um, maybe just leave a, a minute or so for people to just have some time between them and their God. Can we do that? So let's pray together. Father God, We thank you so much for what you've done. Lord, while we were still enemies, you saved us. While we were still far away from us, you came to seek and to save us. Lord, you came looking for our hearts. So Lord, this morning, uh, here we are and we offer ourselves to you. Lord I God, remind us of your great love that drove you down to this earth to rescue your lost children. Remind us afresh of your heart for reconciliation. Remind us afresh that you long for the relationships to be restored. Lord, you long for that. Remind us of what you were prepared to do to make that happen. You didn't just sit in heaven, whistling for us to come. You came down and you went through hell to rescue us. The Lord Jesus threw himself on the grenade of your wrath and took that for us to reconcile us back to you. Remind us of what you were prepared to do to bring us back Lord fill us with your spirit Lord fill us with your grace Lord fill us with you and drive us forward in your love to be all that you've called us to be Lord, as we're hearing these babies crying, um, those little guys don't know what they need. um, But they're crying anyway. I guess they're expecting that someone will pick them up and someone will do something for them. Lord, we don't know as we sit here and we pray, we don't even know what we need, Lord. All we know is that we need something. We know that we're empty in some way. Or we're dirty in some way. Or we're thirsty. And we need you to come and pick us up and deal with us and do the thing that you do, knowing what it is that we need, Lord. So, Lord, help us just to cry out, even if we don't know the words. And Lord, we trust that you'll answer us and restore to us the joy of our salvation because it's so great. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, Visit us at citylight.church northadelaide.